Welcome to the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, Season 3. This podcast is for and about people getting ready for their first ever pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago in Spain, France, and Portugal. With your host, Camino guide and longtime pilgrim, Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. there, Nancy here with the final episode of Season 3. I am delighted to tell you that two of my most listened to guests are back for their After the Camino conversation. You will be hearing from Don and Fiona, who walked the Camino Frances in August and September. We met them in Episode 3 of this season of the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, as they were just about to head to the airport and make their way around the world from Australia to Paris and on to Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port. Now they are back home and ready to share their experiences and what they learned about themselves, the Camino, and planning a pilgrimage on this ancient path. You will hear how their plans unfolded and if booking all their accommodations in advance turned out to be the best way for them to do this, and what they would do differently next time. Because it sounds like there will be a next time for both Don and Fiona. We will be talking about what it means to have a hard day on the Camino, and how they supported each other through those difficult times, as well as how they shared the joy of their early morning walks during a 17-day heat wave. And you will find out if it's possible to have a Camino family if you are staying in hotels and guest houses rather than in the albergues where most pilgrims stay. I think that while listening to Don and Fiona's story, you will find yourself wondering what big thing you will be doing next, whether that is walking the Camino or something else. Maybe something you've been dreaming of for decades. Before we catch up with these two peregrinas, I want to give you a couple updates. First, if you are dreaming of walking the Camino in spring 2024 and have been thinking about joining my Camino Experience Group that starts in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port on May 11th, now is the time to commit to your plans. I have only one spot left in that group as of December 4th, 2023, so I probably need to hear from you soon. If you are dreaming of walking a fall Camino next year, I have plenty of spaces for you in my September groups. You can learn more about how my groups are not at all like other Camino group walks by dropping by my website, thecaminoexperience.com. Next, as I said, this is the final episode of Season 3 of this podcast. I will be taking a break for 7 to 8 weeks to focus on plans for 2024. I will be back around the 3rd or 4th week of January with more inspiring stories from first-time pilgrims and, well, who knows what's to come. The third thing is to give a shout-out and a big thank you to you my listeners, for tuning in each week to learn about the Camino de Santiago and how to make your dream of walking the pilgrimage route a reality. The 57 episodes of this podcast have been downloaded more than 120,000 times in more than 100 countries since it debuted in August 2022. You are the you of this podcast and I am so grateful to be able to share in your Camino journey. I also want to thank those of you who signed up for my Camino Frances Getting Started audio guide this past weekend. Thank you to Kez, Troy, Donna, Emma, Janet, Suzette, Belinda, Roger, and Babette. I am delighted that I get to accompany you 
past where this podcast has taken you in your planning and preparations for your upcoming pilgrimage on the Camino Frances. And the final group I want to thank is everyone who has made a donation to the podcast production fund this season. Your donations help cover the cost of hosting this podcast, and each donation lifts my spirits and puts a smile on my face. While this podcast is definitely a labor of love, it does come at a cost, both in time and money. If you would like to make a donation to give back for the value you receive from this podcast, I have the link to make a donation in the show notes. Again, thank you. I am so grateful to be sharing this journey with you. And now, let's hear how Don and Fiona's pilgrimage on the Camino Frances went. Let's go ahead and say hello to my guests today, Fiona and Don. Hello. Hi, Nancy. Thanks for having us back on. Yes, hello. It's great to be back. Oh, and is it great to be back home after walking the Camino? It's mi- mixed reviews. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't want it to end, but good to be back with the family. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. Well, I am just so eager to hear everything about your trip, but we have limited time. So I know I won't get the nitty gritty details, but let's see how much, let's see how much ground we could cover. The first question, of course, we'll just start with putting the pin in the map to remind my listeners where you started and where you finished and how much time you took. Who would like to give us that little recap? I can do that. Great. So we started um, at the beautiful St. John Peterport. So absolutely gorgeous town um, and then walked all of the Camino Frances to Santiago and then also walked to Finisterre. So yeah, probably about 900 kilometres by the time we put in a few little um, extra detours and, and so forth. Um, and we took around, I think it was about 42 days. It was about six weeks to do the whole lot because we had about six rest days in there um, yeah, during that that time. So um, took our time doing it, but um, yeah, so walked every step of that 900 Ks as well. We might just add as well, because we're pretty proud of, us, proud of ourselves about that one. <laughs> you absolutely should count all the kilometers, even the ones wandering around cities and towns and all of that, because that's a huge undertaking. Yeah, yeah, sure was. Um, but yeah, it was an absolutely magical journey, but yeah, a big, big accomplishment, Um yeah, we're so proud of, of both of us and, and each other. So yeah, it was great. Oh, good. And I can see Don's nodding. Anything to add to that? Yeah, it was just, um, uh, yeah, like, you know, I'm speechless, I suppose. And it makes me, uh, you know, a little bit um, emotional to think because, you know, we had we had the goal and we really wanted to do it. And to think that we actually did, you know, we achieved the goal is just such an amazing um, level of satisfaction personally. But then as Fiona said, like, just so proud of each other because you you see what each other goes through and the you know the, the the kind of the power and the the you know the days that you go through that you know you're not feeling as powerful but you still go through it's it's a pretty special thing to not only witness for yourself but definitely for a, you know for a good friend as well well let's talk about that let's talk about the good days and the bad days and then i also want to talk about how your plan came to fruition because you put a lot of time and effort into planning this. I remember from our first conversation, Fiona, how much you love planning and that you're actually known in your walking circle as, oh, don't worry, Fiona's got this when it comes to all things organizing. So let's start by talking about that and then we'll get on to the good days and the bad days. So you had this wonderful plan. Will you share with us how that all unfolded, how it played out? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm a bit of a planner-holic. So I just like to know um, what's lined up and what's coming. And yeah, it was actually really interesting because I thought I would be every day um, trying to follow exactly what we're doing and, and, you know, sort of have these set expectations. But it's funny because I had the plan and, and what we were going to do and how we we're going to achieve it and, and all our bookings and all that sort of stuff. But I also had a really um, conscious effort not to um, go, this is the way we're going to do it and and put expectations in there because I didn't want to be disappointed that we didn't visit certain places or that we didn't do it a certain way. 
So it was actually surprised myself how relaxed I was every day getting up and just embracing the day and going, what will happen today happens today. Everything happens for a reason. So, you know, sometimes we had a saying, it was embrace the suck. Things are going to suck. <laughs> so just embrace the suck. So every every now and then we were, when we were having a bit of a down day, we'd go just embrace the suck. So it kind of, um, yeah, worked well like that. And and I think reflecting on it, every good plan is is flexible and adaptable mm. and has contingencies. And so, you know, I think um, we we approached it with a very realistic view of, uh, of what it was going to be like and tried not to set those expectations of this is what we're going to do every day. And, and you know, we, we sort of had a bit of a curveball thrown at us straight away with the weather. Um, mm. Day one was the start of a heat wave. So climbing through the Pyrenees in 40 degree heat, which is about 104, I think it is. So, um, and then we had 17 days in a row of that temperature. So we pretty much had to be adaptable straight away and, and deal with those conditions. But, um, but we did use a company that booked all our accommodation and moved our bags each day as well, which was fantastic in the heat. I don't think we could have done it without it, actually. Those first couple of weeks, it was tough. Um, we had lots of other pilgrims asking us, how do you move your bags? <laughs> so, so they were all um, approaching us about that. But um, the, the only thing with the plan was we were locked into the accommodation. Mm -hmm. So we had it planned right out. Um, and we realised pretty quickly we didn't need those rest days. They were lovely oh. to go and explore the towns, but we were really strong. So we actually didn't need the rest days. And, and we had one straight away in Pamplona and kind of we're like, we've just got started. We want to keep going. <laughs> and, and it was heartbreaking because we were meeting people and saying goodbye to people all the time. So that made it really, really hard. So, yes, yeah, sort of reflecting back on it um, for me, um, I liked knowing where we were each night. I liked the planning. I liked my Wise Pilgrim app and looking at where we were and seeing where that green line was on the topography. So when you're at that top of the hill, you knew where you were. Um, so I liked that side of it and, and the knowing, but I also liked the just being open and getting up and taking each day as it comes because there's not many times in your life that you get to do that every day and just get up and see what the world's going to throw at you that day. So um, I really did enjoy that. So it was a, it was a real balance and, and I probably surprised myself how relaxed I was actually each day going into it. But yeah, that that's probably um, was my thoughts um, of yeah, how it went. Well, and you did have some concerns. One of the reasons you said that you booked was so that you wouldn't be micromanaging the schedule and the calendar and having all these expectations and then being disappointed if you had goofed something up. But it sounds like in handing that off to a company, you could let that go. And then, of course, I've got to ask, how were your accommodations? How how, how did the company do for you? It, it was a real mixture of accommodations. So we had, we stayed in all types of places. So we stayed in albergues, in, in dorms, in private rooms, in hotels, um, in beautiful Casa Rurales. We stayed in some exquisite, you know, converted monasteries, butter factories, water mills. It was a real mixture of accommodation. Um, and most of it, I would say 90% of it was magnificent, like paradors, things like that. So it was, it was beautiful. It was spot on and a real mix. We did end up staying at one albergue that we booked ourselves and we told the accommodation that the travel company um, will book that separately. And that was um, Casa Susie. Oh, um, yeah. Because we really did want to stay there. Yeah. So we did, we did book to that one ourselves. Most of it was good. The only issue we had was when they took us off the trail. So you had mm -hmm. to catch a taxi to get to your accommodation. Mm -hmm. So there were a few occasions that we had to do that. And it, because of the heat in particular, we then couldn't get back to the trail early enough to start before, because of just the taxis, asking a taxi before 8am in Spain is just a non-event. They're not happy about that. <laughs> so um, we, were, we were walking at 5.30 every morning. So we had those days where um, that was very, very difficult um, and a little bit frustrating. So they, the company, we, we did make contact with our person on the ground in Spain and, and they organised a taxi for us and, and things like that as early as they could. So they, they tried to accommodate us. Mm. They tried to be flexible with it. But we did find that a little bit difficult and as much as that was frustrating, though, 
that accommodation that we got taken off the trail, we then ended, ended up, you know, staying in some beautiful places, you know, places that did massages and, and also places where we met other people that, you know, we may not have met um, otherwise. So, um, yeah, in the end it was, you know, I think things happen for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes you just got to go with the flow and see what happens. And, um, yeah, so as much as it was a little bit frustrating, that side of it being taken off the trail, in the end, it was okay. It was fine. All right. And I have a couple questions about all of that for you. But first, I want to see, Don. anything that you would add to that? Yeah, thank you, Nancy. Uh, definitely. I think, you know, as Fiona said, we got taken off the trail before there was a sense of, you know, frustration because we were going away from a bit of the community stay in it. And there's a part of you too supposed to be in a car for six weeks. You know, like my feet are supposed to stay on the ground at all time, you know, unless they're interesting. Um, you know, and then as Fiona said as well, like when you're used to the taxis and getting one 24 hours a day, you know, where we are and, and just going, you know what, I'm in another country. I've got to deal with their system, but I really don't want to walk under this heat dome that we, you know, that we had as, as incredible as it was, it was also, you know, you knew that it was going to provide limitations. So, sure. yeah, I, I think in in hindsight, both of us were really, um, you know, I think we were like, yep, we need to stay on on the trail and on the accommodation. Mind you, a couple of times when we went off, it was incredible accommodation, but you were still, you know, off it. So, yeah, it was it was a real mix. Um, and and you just you're going through the emotions of that whilst you're you know, already going through what's a really, um, you know, emotive and, and incredible experience. Well, yeah. And it brings up a really good point. So if you do book places with a company, oftentimes they, their only option for you in certain places is to have someplace off the trail. And so that's just something that you have to deal with. You just have to go with the flow on that. And so it's a really good point for people who think, no, you know what? I want to be in the heart of the pilgrim community every single night that might not be the way for you to go. And then that leans us over to, well, maybe, maybe I should book my own accommodations. And just knowing, you know, I've just been watching the last couple of years as more and more companies are coming on the scene and more and more pilgrims are booking their accommodations in advance. There are, are only so many private rooms available in some of these towns and villages, right? And so you may not get your first choice of town or village. You may not get their first choice of accommodation, so it's something to be aware of that it does have an impact if you are staying off the trail. Yeah, it's a really good point. And it has a bonus because some of those places are amazing. Oh, exactly. That's it. And and even with, you know, some of the towns, I think, um, you know, Fiona and I commented, you know, they got it pretty right with most of the towns we stayed in. But there was, you know, or what we considered right, I guess, for us. So, you know, it's really subjective. But there was one or two times where, when we got up in the morning, that next little town we got to, you thought, oh, my gosh, this town is so cute. And then, you know, it's the, oh, I wonder if we would have stayed here. You know, what would that have been like? But I suppose it's really difficult when you're in that to not get into that woulda, shoulda, coulda kind of scenario because, you know, each experience is what it is. So, yes. yeah, but it was interesting. You, I mean, you just you learn so much when you're on there. Yeah. And that's the thing is it's a it's a 800 kilometer route with a few hundred towns, villages, and cities. And if you were to stop and stay in every single place, you'd be there for a couple of years. So it there is that FOMO, that fear of missing out that no matter what you're going to encounter. And we just have to take what's right before us and just know that we're in the right place. I've got them all marked in my um my guidebook, those little towns that we walked through that went, oh, this is a nice one. So next time that's where I'm staying. <laughs> you know, and that's the thing is I have, I have talked to people and I've done this myself on subsequent trips. I would say, wait a minute, I've already stayed in that town. I think I'll stay in the next town so I can try something new. And then the flip side of that is that there are places that I absolutely love that I'm staying there again. And you mentioned Casa Susie. Let's give a shout out to, to Casa Susie. That is in the village of Trabadello. And that's a tough one because there are a few good places to stay. But I just met Susie for the first time in October when I was there. And oh my gosh, everybody just stay at Casa Susie. I mean, she is, she's a miracle on the Camino. 
<laughs> she's incredible. We yeah. loved that night. Just, yeah. I mean, so there's a couple reasons. Um, you know, one, she's fabulous, and it was mm-hmm. just such a wonderful experience her and her partner. But second, because she has a vegetarian cuisine, so as a vegetarian, yeah, I was challenged. My husband actually said he almost thought I was going to come back as a meat eater, <laughs> just <laughs> because my because there might not have been. And there wasn't a lot. I mean, there was options, but there wasn't as much, I suppose. And we we had a couple jokes running of what vegetarian was, <laughs> you know, because one day I had ordered a pasta salad and it came smothered in tuna. And, yep. and I think I think my heart nearly broke. And then I think, uh, Fiona, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I ordered a, a, a an adult beverage <laughs> to deal with it. <laughs> so that was okay. But yeah, but being at Casa Susie and just her beautiful vegetarian cuisine was just I was I was so excited so yeah yeah. and and she made a special um or she yeah she made it um a a vegetarian um, paella because I think she had had one we had seen a couple days before or something and I was like oh I really wanted you know veggie one and um so I think I can't remember I think Fiona you might have messaged yeah and um yeah and then so she made one specially for us which was just beautiful so yeah it the best place you must go yeah she's remarkable that's how fantastic she is that, you know, Dawn had had a pretty rough run with um, trying to find food and everything. So, yeah, the couple of days out, I thought I'll just reach out to her and say we would really appreciate it if you could have that, you know, on the night we're there. And 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 she did it plus some. Like she's just such an amazing host. Yeah, she really um, is. Yeah. And, you know, I hear stories about hosts on the Camino all the time and people rave about this and rave about that and this is so great. And I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, how great can it be, you know? Or I've had this, I've stayed at the same place and I'm like, okay, I had a different experience. Not with Casa Susie. She is remarkable no matter what. It's just amazing. I was so taken, just taken by her. So, and they had Vegemite. So that made me very happy. <laughs> Forget it. Well, she's from Australia, right? So she, she speaks your language and food and everything else. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. So big plug for Casa Susie and Trabadello. And if you need private rooms, I'll put in a plug for my friend Ellie at El Puente Peregrino. She has three, five, four, I don't know how many beautiful, perfectly appointed private rooms. So there we go. Trabadello, you have to stay for a week because those places are so great. All right, let's go to the topic of rest days. So you had planned how many rest days in your original plan? Uh, I think it was six rest days that we had. Six, okay. Um, Yeah. And would you, if you had it all to do again, would you wipe them all out or would you, how would you do it? I'd probably have two to three um, and that would be sufficient. Okay. I think you, you don't know what's going to come. So there, there's always the risk that you're going to have an injury or get sick or something like that. And um, there were certainly a couple of those rest days. We were walking into town going, thank goodness, we've got a rest day tomorrow. Okay. Um, so there were definitely a couple that we did need. So I highly recommend the rest days. They're fantastic. And some of those towns like Burgos and, and Leon, we loved Leon, um, were amazing to explore and, and have those rest days um, to be able to do that because you, you're going all that way. You may as well enjoy it as well. Um, you like really take, take in the sights and, and see it. So, yeah, I would put in a couple. But also in hindsight, next time, I think I would only plan one to two weeks ahead and constantly do that along the trail to allow for, um, yeah, if there are injuries or you're you're Mm. sick or anything like that. So you can sort of play it by year and see how you're traveling and and go from there. Okay. So you wouldn't plan your accommodations for the entire route. You would just do a couple of weeks at a time and be fluid with it. Yes. Okay. And so let's think back to our conversation the last time back in the summer do you think you could have done that this trip and been able to release like you had intended to? I think so. As long as um, I was sitting down and doing it a week or so ahead, um, okay. so I wasn't doing it on the trail. And we did find people doing that, that were, you know, they're looking at different websites and things like that, trying to find their accommodation that night or the next night. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to dealing with my phone the whole time wanted to be walking okay Um, and so that was what I did not want to get caught into the habit of doing so and we certainly saw a few people trying to do that and find accommodation on that day Mm -hmm. so I think I would need to sit down and do it 
um, in one hit sort of a week ahead. Okay. Um, and, and that would be the way to do it. So really sort of allocate the time to do it. Um, and honestly, I, actually, one of my favourite things about the Camino was actually arriving in the towns, going to the Plaza Mayor, getting a sangria or a Tinto de Verano, sitting there with my John Briley guidebook and actually looking at what was coming the next day and would just sit there, take notes, read it. Um, pilgrims would come and sit and chat with you. You'd meet different people. Like I, I loved that atmosphere. I think um, I underestimated that social connectiveness um, mm. in the afternoons. Mm -hmm. And that would have been the perfect time to just sit there and book a couple of, you know, nights and, and things like that. So um, reflecting and that that is actually what, you have that time and I really did enjoy that time um, of doing that. Um, yeah, it, you, it's completely doable to do it that way. Yeah, very good. And I like what you said about doing it a week in advance or maybe booking, sitting down and doing seven nights at a, at a time or even 10 nights at a time because I have seen and heard people who are like, I can't believe I have to book accommodations every day, you know, and it, and it does become tiring. It does take away from your focus unless it's something you absolutely love doing, then do it, you know? And so I think you two are the perfect example of let's do this our way and let's be willing to learn so that the next time we go, we can do it however we want again. I love that. Dawn, any, something to add? Yeah, absolutely. Thank Nancy. Um, I think, you know, we were really lucky that even with the few niggles we had, it didn't, it didn't interfere with the, the, the fact that we had all of our accommodation locked in. I mean, the fact that there was a couple rest days, it definitely, um, you know, would have allowed for a little bit of flexibility in, in accommodation. But I think, you know, absolutely having that, you know, as Fiona said, um, you know, just doing a week or two at a time, because it was really lovely to not have to think about accommodation every day. And there was that fear because we had heard that it was so busy that you might not find it. We didn't experience that. I think we had one or two of our Camino um, family um, who might have had to go in another spot or, or didn't get into their first or second choice. But even though it was as busy as it was, there was still, there seemed to be still a lot of accommodation. It just depends on how picky you are with your accommodation like you said, whether you wanted private rooms or not. But um, yeah, I think to have a little bit more of that flexibility, it would be great, you know, for the next time. But that's something you learn. So, you, you know, yes. until you get there, you don't necessarily know where, you know, now I think that we both have that confidence to say, yeah, we could, you know, do that. And it was nice to not have to think about it every day sure. and to, to literally get up and think today I'm walking and I have got a bed at the other end and, you know, when I get there, I get there and um, yeah, you know, I get to just enjoy, enjoy the day, which was really lovely. I love that. Yeah. We learn as we go and we have the experience we have and we don't have to get it right. There is no getting it right. There's only getting ready and going. And then you see what the Camino has for you. Oh, I'm applauding you in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. So let's talk about some of those harder days. What what qualified as a hard day for you? Oh, well, the hard day is definitely the weather. <laughs> the weather, yeah. Yeah. They they were tough days. Um, those afternoons um when it got really, really hot and there was just no shelter and shade. Um, they they were trying. Um, but yeah, we sort of just kept going, just head down, kept going. Um, we sort of discovered our little uh our things that we enjoyed um so we had the buffs around our necks that we would you know keep wet um dawn would stick her head under every um fountain that she could find <laughs> so that was a favorite for her good call very disgracefully too nancy <laughs> i just threw all all decorum out the door and just <laughs> as wet as i could get my head in my neck i went for it <laughs> I mean, when your head is on fire, who cares what you look like? That was it. Exactly. And I think Fiona still loves me, so I didn't embarrass her too much. <laughs> She's still smiling. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. No, it was um, it was survival at that stage. So I think we, were, we, we actually really didn't care what anybody else thought. You get to that point. Oh, you do. Absolutely. So so the, the hot days were, were tough, but, but we got through those and they actually in um, brought a lot of joy as well. We were getting up at 5.30 every morning and 
that those couple of hours in the morning walking when it's dark and then you've got that sunrise that forces you to stop and turn around to just look at it because it's just magnificent. Um, and there were these micro bats that every morning would be flying over our heads. And so the mornings in the end, we, we loved them. So, um, yeah, so that came with the hot days was that we had those magical mornings. So it's not all bad. Um, and then the other challenging days um, were just... Um, for me, it was, I had a couple of days where I just got into a bit of a funk, like I really got in a bad headspace. And, and um, we had a couple of days where um, both Dawn and I would say, today, I just need quiet, I need my earpods in, I need music, I'm just, I can't talk today. Um, so, you know, on those days, we were like, yep, that's fine. And because we had that agreement going into it, that it was, we were walking our own Caminos. Um, there was just, you know, no guilt about it. It was just what we were doing. Um, so, yeah, it was really a sense of freedom to actually get up and just go, nah, I just need a day to, to myself that I can think. And um, so, yeah, it's amazing because you, you do get all these emotions coming through along the Camino. It forces you to do it. I, I didn't think that I would be one to do that because I'm not really an, an emotional or a sensitive person, but um, it happened. <laughs> so yeah it was being able to actually just embrace that and have those days and then there were days that I like I needed dawn and I needed to lean on her and needed conversations with her and 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 she was there for that so um you know I think we were very very lucky and you know had a very very special journey together that we could have both of that and have that balance right so yeah I think you know I just look back on it and think yeah how incredibly lucky I am to have had that journey with dawn um, so yeah, it was, it was great. So even the difficult days in, in hindsight were great. <laughs> ah, Don, what would you add to that? Yeah, absolutely. The heat, as you know, Fiona said, was the challenge. Um, but we, you know, we, we had a, you know, we, we had a plan and we kind of worked through it and said, okay, well, we know this is a known that we're not, <laughs> we're, again, we're not going to have a day under 35. So, you know, you, you just kind of get a brilliant go. And it was interesting, as Fiona said, the mornings were absolutely stunning. And I don't know if it's a difference or not, but we seem to meet kind of some of our people in our tribe in that really early go. So we, we noticed there's a couple waves of people. And I think because we left early, we seem to leave early with other people that we really struck up really, you know, great relationships with and, and Camino family, um, you know, adding to them. Now, we might have had that with a later start as well if, if it wasn't so hot, but it was really interesting to kind of see the different waves of, of people and who started when they did. I think the other challenge for me, and I'm a really social person, but I got over social. <laughs> so as Fiona said, there were a couple of days where I said, you know, I just told Fiona, I said, my social battery is way too mm. full. I need to bring it down. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, there was, there was the days where, you know, I, I had a day where I had a, a vow of silence that day. And even it was really hard because people still want to say Buen Camino to you and, and, you know, say hi. And I remember there was this one fella from Korea and you could tell we were both kind of walking by ourselves uh, for the day and he really wanted to strike up, you know, a conversation. And I just thought, I'm so sorry, buddy. Today's not the day. Today's my, you know, today's my quiet day. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, no worries. We'll, you know, chat till the cows come home. But <laughs> it was really, yeah, just having those days to really have that time to yourself and and so you can just kind of think yourself and you know that was probably one of my big eye openers was wow you can be over socialized but then absolutely um as Fiona said those days where you definitely felt low and you just needed a mate there and it was really interesting because we had quite a few people commenting on the fact that we would walk you know alone at times and we're like yeah but that's because we're comfortable with that and then there was times we absolutely needed to walk together to you know have those conversations or and because you knew you had you know a trusted person already who you could just have whatever kind of conversation you wanted to have with so it was really interesting you know and even those little kind of niggles that your body throws and you're thinking is this gonna is this gonna stop my Camino is it gonna limit my Camino but amazingly it, it didn't for us and again you know we're really lucky in that fact but I also put it down to really amazing preparation I think we had we had our routines mm. our foot routines were I'm like I feel like I, I need to brag about our foot routine do it <laughs> because we I think I had three blisters the entire time one I went into because I wore silly shoes around Paris um, a couple of days before we we started and then the other the pair of shoes I thought I was going to wear the whole trek 
gave me two blisters and I went, that's not going to happen the rest of the time. And so I stayed to my wonderful ultras and we had this amazing cream called Walker's cream. And that was a nightly routine taping of toes where you knew that you were going to get um, uh, blisters or where you normally did. And then toe socks, which again, I think, I can't remember if we talked about last time where I thought they were so silly, like they're my <laughs> best friend ever. And then just the right shoes. And Fiona and I just kept commenting on how like we just got our shoe choice right because we saw some pretty horrible and heard some horrible foot stories out there and people mm-hmm. going to hospital but we were so disciplined with our foot routine and I think as a result our feet were just amazing wow. so yeah I'm pretty wrapped you know I would have been nice I think I said oh yeah, I don't want any blisters but I knew it was going to happen but to only have three and two that occurred on the trail um yeah that, well that's kinda, done I feel like, yeah I feel like it's a badge of honor <laughs> Seriously, that is amazing. And it sounds like it's it was your routine that you cared for your feet, you paid attention to your feet, and you had your socks and footwear dialed in. Absolutely. And that could have been a massive challenge for us. And I think, you know, knowing that and, and with all the preparation and the stories that we had heard and, um, you know, just even walks that we've previously done, long walks, we just did not want to have to, you know, if possible, did not want to have to be dealing with a foot you know, uh, issue, you know, if we could help it. So, yeah. Yeah. Good call. Really good call. And talking about preparation, um, like with the foot care stuff, we, we started probably a month, six weeks out before the trip as well. So we, that Walker's cream, we were actually putting into our feet six weeks before the Camino started. So we actually did the preparation beforehand and, and probably going into it. That's one thing, a lesson from you know, that I've learned is definitely that preparation time and the fitness preparation. And, you know, we were doing lunges, getting ready for that climb up the Pyrenees. Like it was all that, all that stuff leading into it Mm -hmm. makes it such a more enjoyable experience when you get there. Um, So put in the preparation time to start with, know what you're going into. um, And yeah, you will find it far more enjoyable if you actually do that prep work to start with. And that's the key. You know, people say, oh, no, you don't need to train. You can train on the trail. The thing is, if you train ahead of time, and I've started calling it conditioning, if you condition ahead of time, you are just going to have a better time. It's going to be more enjoyable. Doesn't mean you'd have to, but I think you'll be glad you did. Excellent point. So I know we've got a little bit of a time limitation here. So I want to talk about your families. How did your families do without you while you were gone on this trip? Mine were completely fine. (laughs) So we had um, an interesting experience. So when I flew to Spain, both my daughters were flying to World Scout Jamboree in Korea. Wow. So some people might know what happened um, at that World Scout Jamboree that the kids ended up getting evacuated because it got hit by a typhoon. So that was all playing out the first two wow. weeks of the Camino that, um, yeah, the kids were stuck in Korea getting hit by a typhoon. But they were brilliant. They just, um, they, they were fine. They, they took it on board. Scouts were amazing. They organised everything. The communication was amazing. I was, I was chatting to them with technology. That's the beauty of it. You know, you can keep updated. So so they were having that experience while I, w- I was having mine. And then they got home and we ended up, Dawn and I were away from home for eight weeks, it ended up being. And yeah, so my family, um, like I can't thank them enough. They were just absolutely phenomenal. They let me have my experience and enjoy it and, and were completely supportive of it. And um, conversations back home were quite brief and quick and um you know so it was you know really lovely that we could talk when we wanted to but um I really was able to let go of what was going on at home very very quickly and which surprised me I thought I would still have that playing in my head throughout the whole journey but yeah no they they were just fantastic my both my girls just amazing stepped up they were cooking every night just you know don't have to nag them about homework all that sort of stuff um, so, yeah, incredibly grateful for both my husband and my kids of, you know, how they um, were while I was away. And, and the fact that I've got future Caminos booked in is a bit of a strain that, you know, how supportive they are. So, 
yeah, it was a really good one. And a couple of days where I had a bit of a, you know, a bit of a downer and, you know, I'd speak to my husband and, you know, he'd sort of say, oh, you know, I'm a bit homesick. And he'd say, just, just remember the example that you're setting for our girls. You know, this is, you know, something that you can achieve, you know, that you aim for and you work towards and that's what you can achieve. So. And you get through the hard times. Yes, yes, exactly. Let's teach our children how to get through the hard times because there is nothing in life that doesn't have some hard times. It's spot on. And I remember yeah. them having that experience of the typhoon hitting them in the first couple of weeks <sighs> was exactly that. It's that hard time and that adversity and things don't always go to plan. But if, like I said before, every plan's adaptable and flexible and you know, it's got contingency. So they had that to, you know, pull from pretty much straight away. So, um, yeah, so they were absolutely fine. Um, Yeah, they were great. Nice little parallel story there. So Don, how about for you? How was your family with you being away? How did all that work out? They definitely survived, probably not um, as thriving as Fiona's. So my husband uh, was not as... um, uh, he, he, look, he did a great job and my daughter did a great job. I think my daughter's a little bit younger than Fiona's. And so I think that was a little bit of a challenge um, and just kind of where she is um, developmentally and, and emotionally. I think that was, um, there was a bit of a challenge for the two of them just to have each other um, mm-hmm. and have to rely. And I think um, the hardest part for him was just, he was the logistics king. So, you know, he had to do everything where normally we would juggle you know, pickups and drop-offs and, and that kind of thing. So it did mean that he had to put some of his work, you know, delayed or, or um, you know, kind of um, to the side, just, you know, so that I could go. In saying that, they were definitely, you know, both supportive and, and proud of, of what I did. But it was, yeah, it, was, it, wasn't, as, um, it wasn't as much of a, a growth opportunity for them, I think, as it was for Fiona's girls and, and husband. To the point where, you know, I would call them and yeah, my daughter just wanted me home. Um, so that was, that was really, you know, that was lovely, but it was really, you know, challenging as well. Sure. But it was amazing. The, the phone conversations were very short. They didn't really want a lot of sharing of, you know, photos and stuff because I was having this amazing experience and they weren't. So mm. that was, that was really interesting. Yeah, okay. You know, I wanted to share the experience with them, but it was kind of like, well, you're having a great time. And we're just kind of doing daily life. And so that was, you know, that was, yeah, that was hard. And I think partially because a lot of the times that we've gone on holidays or had holidays, it has been as a family mm-hmm. or, you know, there's times a year where I will do something with my daughter um, and, um, you know, we'll just go. Or, and then there's other times a year where it's my husband and, and our daughter. So it was kind of the first time in a long time that I you know had gone and then as Fiona said eight weeks that's a long it's time a long to be away time. from family yeah. yeah but they survived they did a good job they yeah. were fine and I was fine okay. <laughs> I had a great time where I was just me that that's a big that's a big deal to be away for that long and to leave leave the family any advice you would give to other moms who are listening who might be wanting to do the same thing my advice regardless is your family will survive and they mm. will be okay and they will you know they they still when you're in a family situation you have that shared responsibility anyway mm-hmm. so um you know whilst they might be bummed that they're not on holidays with you if you need to do it and it's in you that you something that you need to do do it mm. every you know the family will be okay it's easy for me to say that that was my experience but this is lived experience right here. This just happened. And you came back and they're alive. They're fine. They're fine. Exactly. And I actually think that I've come back and this has been something I've been really actively trying to maintain. I think I've actually come back more chilled out and more, um, you know, you really, when you've got that much time on the, um, on the Camino, you have a lot of time to realize what's important, what's not important, what you want to do, you know, how you want to behave, what, you know, traits, you you have a mirror in front of you as well of traits of your own. You go, oh, I actually don't like that. <laughs> so yeah. I need to, I need to shed that from my being, you know, so I've been really practicing and, and um, maintaining that to, And I think that's made me a better mom and a better wife and a better person because I actually appreciate my husband more, I think mm-hmm. now than, than before I went away as well. And, and we've had conversations about that. So, yeah. Well, I got chills when you said all that. Wow. Very sweet. 
So uh, how about what's next? And Don, I know you're going to have to go in a moment. So Don, you want to start? What's what's next? Is there another Camino in your future? Oh, absolutely. There is. Um, but I haven't locked them in yet. Um, but I've been, you know, whilst you're you're on the Camino, you're, you know, you're actively in the moment, but you're already thinking about what, you know, what one's next, where do I want to go? So, you know, and, and I did talk to my daughter about the fact that it would be really lovely for us to do one together as a, you know, mother, daughter, my husband, unfortunately, his knees aren't what they used to be. So um, he, you know, he can't do big walks like he used to be able to, but um, absolutely would love to do one with my daughter or at least one, if not more. So they're in the works and it's it's in the blood now. And that's, you know, I would happily get on a plane tomorrow and, <laughs> and do do the Frances all over again. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's in it's in the plans, but it's not nothing's locked in just yet. Okay. And Fiona, how about for you? Yeah, um, oh, I've definitely got the bug and um it's booked and <laughs> ready to go. So next May, I'm going back to do um, the Portuguese way with my dad. Um, so he obviously followed our journey and it's something that he's actually always been interested in. So I had a bit of FOMO while Dawn and I were walking um, the Frances. Um, so I got back and, um, yeah, said to him, all right, well, let's let's go do it. So we've booked in the Portuguese way in May. Um, and then I'm also going over to Ireland to do the Kerry Camino um, as well um, while I'm over there too. Um, and then later in the year, I'm either going to do the Del Norte um, or I might do Everest Base Camp. So um, I'm just trying to decide which one to do at the moment. And I think I'll decide once I've done the Portuguese way. But yeah, this this is what the Camino does to you. You just She just says that so casually. <laughs> I think I'll go do Everest Base Camp. <laughs> a K2 is available if you want to do that. So, you know, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you you come out of the Camino feeling like you can do anything and and that strength in your body and um is something I re I, I've never experienced before and it was quite phenomenal to actually feel so strong and able and realize that you can actually do those things and those adventures and um so yeah I think just why not like while, mm. while you can just book it in and, and embrace it and you know it's actually really good to have goals that are a little bit scary to motivate yes. you like you don't want just life to be easy so you know it's good to have something that's a little bit of a challenge oh, um great. so yeah that's why I'm thinking maybe ever a space camp but yeah so definitely the Portuguese yeah definitely the Portuguese way in May and um and then the Kerry Camino. Wow. And I don't know anything about the Kerry Camino. Can you give us a little, a little 30 second uh, promo yeah, on that? Sure. It's quite a short one. So it's only, I think it's about 70 kilometers. That's so a three day one um, from Trolley to Dingle. Um, so just, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, the Dingle Peninsula that you walk along. Um, and yeah, so it's just, a, quite a short little walk that, um, and then the idea was then they would get on a boat and come down to Spain and that's where it would pick up then the walk into Santiago. So, um, yeah, it ended up, when I started doing research, there's so many different ones everywhere, like right across Europe and um, it's quite fascinating. So my list has become quite long. Um, <laughs> so slowly I've just got to tick away at these um these little ones and and get them done as well. So ideally, it would have been good to then do come in and do the Inglays, which is the other half of mm -hmm. where the Kerry Camino, mm -hmm. where the boat comes in, and then you do the Inglays down to Santiago. But that can be a future one. That's a beautiful walk, by the way. Oh yes, it looks amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, you say yes to something. You said yes to the Camino. You say yes to something, and you do it, and you discover. You can do it. And then you have this freedom to say yes to all kinds of things. Yeah, I wish people could see your faces. <laughs> I think um, that that's one thing that actually I took away from the Camino was a sense of confidence. And mm -hmm. um, and since coming back, like I know Dawn just said that she does feel like she's come back with a you know different attitude. And, um, and I'm the same. I, I, I feel a lot lighter and happier and, and, and a real confidence as well. Mm. And, and I'm not afraid to sort of take things on and say no and say yes. And, you know, all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, I think that's, you know, a beautiful thing that the, the Camino actually um, provides. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. Wow. Don, anything you'd add to that? 
Yeah, absolutely. It was really interesting. You know, you you get the bug for sure and you want to keep walking. And that was one of the things I noticed when I got back is I just had to keep walking. So it was really incredible that your body gets used to it so quickly that this is what we do and it's mm. so good for you and you know just the level of hydration and and you know just having that physical challenge and and getting you know kind of addicted to it really and people say that you know with sport but it was interesting I you know I came back and definitely those first two weeks I had to walk every single day so you kind of have to ease yourself out of it and then you realize hang on a second I've got family, I've got work, I've got all these yeah. things I that are getting in the way of me walking. <laughs> and, you know, so it's, it's it, you come back and you, you've got to work out that balance for yourself. But it is incredible. And to be able to challenge yourself and your body and to say, I'm, I'm capable of this just makes you so proud. And, mm. and it, yes, yeah, it's, it's just a wonderful thing. So I cannot wait to step back onto a Camino. I'm yeah, I'm ready. I've just got to work out how to work with family and how to work with, you know, work and, and, and timing and that type of thing. Oh, I love it. And you know, what you just said, it just, the the place that I went with that is how often do we get to say, I'm really proud of myself and not in a boastful way or a prideful way, but I feel really good about what I just did. That is amazing. And I think we want more of that in the world. Done. Oh, I'm so happy to have been at the beginning and now at the end. And I was re-listening to the last episode when we were together and I was just giggling because I seriously, I caught you almost on the way to the airport as you were leaving. And I'm like, oh, I got to talk to them. So good. And you, um, I was going to say, yeah, because you launched the that our episode the day that we set off, yeah, to, I was listening to it as we were crossing the Pyrenees and it was such a, a great experience to go, that is that was our start. That was our, you know, it really framed the journey sort of reflecting back on the conversation that we'd had with you that few days prior. Um, so it was, yeah, fantastic crossing the Pyrenees, listening to the bells of the, the cows and the horses and the vultures flying overhead, just listening to this beautiful um, story that, you know, all well, the conversation that we'd had. So it was yeah. really cool. I got to go with you. Yeah. <laughs> I've written down a few little tips that I wanted to share. Well, that's my next question actually was, um, what tips do you have now for other first-time pilgrims? Uh, it's interesting because quite often Dawn and I would be walking along and we'd go, we, we need to mention this next time we're talking to Nancy. We need to make sure that we, we remind because it was things that we weren't aware of. So, um, so yeah, a few things for me. The first one is the wine fountain at Estella. It opens at a certain time of the morning. So when you were setting off at 5.30 in the morning and you get to the wine fountain and it's not running, it's very disappointing. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those iconic stops people go to. I mean, where else in the world is there a fountain where you can go and get a drink of wine right on the side of the road? Yeah. Exactly. So I think it's about 7.38 it opened. So we were there at about 6, 6.30. Mm. Dawn was trying pretty hard to pump that thing. <laughs> I gave it my best. <laughs> we had a few drops in our shell. But, um, yeah, it was a little bit disappointing. And oh. we know we spoke to some other um, pilgrims afterwards too. That was quite a big thing for them as well. They were really disappointed to get okay. there before 8 o'clock and, and um, realise that it it was closed. Yeah. Well, and it's a tough one too, because if you go too late in the day, it could be out. Yeah. You can still get the photo of you, you know, pretending to pull wine from a fountain on the side of the road, but yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Timing is everything. The other one is the halfway point. So Shagun, I think it is. Sagun. Yeah. Shagun, sorry. Um, so you can go to the monastery and get a type of halfway certificate. Yes. So we went and got that. And the same thing, they close at one o'clock, I think it was. So we actually just made it up there to, okay. to get that um, certificate. Um, but we didn't realise about that until we were coming into the town and, and had heard a few people um, that had been in there to get it. So that's a, a tip is to make sure that you just pop into the monastery there and get your halfway um, certificate. Um, and the other probably lesson from us was around the toilets or the lack thereof of toilets. Lack um, of so toilets. That, yeah, that becomes very challenging. And the fact that you just need to be prepared 
to buy something constantly from the shops to be able to use their facilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is a little bit counterproductive that you've got to go then buy a water or an Aquarius or something like that to use the bathroom and then you just need it 5Ks later as well. So, but yeah, the the lack of facilities along the way um, was quite shocking that there's no, mm. absolutely no public toilets whatsoever. So you do need to be prepared to go in and, and buy something um, from a bar to be able to use their facilities. So, yeah, that was a bit of a, a learning for us and become quite um, confident at the quick bush pee as well. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the question. Did you do a lot of trail side activity because of this? Yeah, you learn how to squat or how to deal with these things. Yeah. So that was the beauty of the early morning departures is that you had a couple hours under the cover of darkness, which was great. <laughs> And this is going to sound so um, strange, but one of my proudest moments was when I could do that, I could have a moment and not have to take my backpack off. So to perfect it, yes. Oh, yes. That When you get that balance just right. <laughs> exactly. Congratulations. You, thank you. Yeah, that's actually the what the, the Compostela actually says. It's Latin. You can't tell, but it actually says and... This person is now able to squat with the backpack on. No, it's not what it says, but maybe there should be a separate certificate for that. Although I don't know how they'd verify your abilities. They would, it would have to take it on, on trust. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Very good. Well done. <laughs> Any others? That's, I was just trying to think. I think those were, you know, kind of some of the, the major ones. So we, you speak about it quite a bit, Nancy, but I think it, it still was amazing how much it um, catches people out. And it not that it caught us out, but it was something that we definitely noticed very, you know, you're quite confronted with it. It's just the, the eating times and the meal times. Mm-hmm. And when you're starting the trail and when you're getting off the trail and when you're stopping. So we were very aware of the time schedule, but it was funny that on the occasion, it would still kind of catch you out if you weren't thinking about it. And then it was a case of, oh, what are we going to try to grab and when and where and yeah. what? So that, you know, is one, again, you talk about it so much and and there's lots out there about it, but it, it does need to be thought about because we did actually still come across quite a few people who were quite upset about it, who obviously mustn't have, you know, realized or, or done that kind of that, uh, you know, research. But I think the thing for me, you find your little recipes of success. And um, for me, definitely, the discovery of Aquarius was just, they are the best things ever. I think I was calling it the wrong name for the first week or so. I was calling it a name of a school we have here, which starts with an A. And then I finally got onto Aquarius, you know, and and locked it in. But an Aquarius and a bag of potato chips at the end of the day. Oh, heaven. Heaven. It was just, again, that was a recipe for success. And then very shortly followed by um, uh, sangria or Pinto de Verano or gin and tonic. <laughs> Perfect. See, I, I'm going to need to know the next time you two go because I'm going with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's make sure that everyone knows what an Aquarius is. You want to tell everybody what that is? Absolutely. It is, um, it's very similar or similar, depending on where you are around the world, to um, something like a, a Gatorade or, you know, some kind of a sports drink or electrolyte drink. But it was it was great because the flavors, there was an orange and a lemon and they're just very light. They're not sweet. They're, you know, they're just really refreshing. And so it was a great way to get those electrolytes back into your body. Really simple. They were found, I think, almost everywhere we we went, whether it was in a plastic bottle or um, a can or a, um, or even, you know, kind of like a glass bottle like you'd find in, in um, a Coke or whatever. And actually, speaking of Coca-Cola, so I'm not a Coca-Cola fan, except when I'm walking or doing big walks. And I think it's about what your body needs. I could not get enough of Coca-Cola with a slice of lemon in it was just, again, the best thing. So um, it's a, it is incredible what you what your body craves and what you have when you're in that kind of a situation that you just wouldn't on a day to day basis. Well, you're expending so many calories. You're exerting and you're working so hard, the body's needs are different than when you're sitting at home at a job or just, you know, tootling around the house doing stuff. Yeah. You are actually exerting a lot of energy. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's wrap this up with, with 
what would be the one thing you would say to a first time pilgrim getting ready to go? What, what would you say to him? You get to say one thing. Just go and do it. Definitely. You know, all the planning's there and, and there's never going to be the right time, but putting, putting those shoes on for the first time and stepping on the Camino <laughs> makes me makes me emotional talking sure, about it. It does. It is just such a special, special experience. And that first Camino, Nancy, which is, you know, your whole um, you know, uh, part of, you know, this podcast and why it exists and, and what you get to help people with, it is just such an amazing and special experience. But just get out there and do it. You get one first Camino. This is your first kiss. Make it count. Yeah. yeah. So if, you, if you've been thinking about it or planning, lock it in, book it in and, and get out there and do it. It's just such an amazing experience. And I'm just so thankful for it. Excellent. How about you, Fiona? Mine would be um, go into it with an open mind. Um, don't set expectations. Um, don't, um, you know, just be open every day to what the day is going to bring and, you know, just deal with it each day as it comes. So, um, yeah, I think it's just important that, you know, we don't get many times in our lives where we do can do that and just get up each day and, and embrace every day for what it is. Um, so, yeah, my yeah, my tip would be just, yeah, just be open-minded and even the people you meet, um, like our Camino family, you know, there, there were individuals we met that, we, we had to check ourselves a couple of times because they would be people that normally, you know, we probably wouldn't um, wouldn't be our people. Um, and you know what? They were, even though, you know, they were very different to us and, you know, different backgrounds and beliefs and values and things like that. But we're still connected with these people. So, you know, it's just about being open and, um, yeah, not making any judgments and just take each day as it comes and just enjoy the journey. Very nice. That sorry, just to, to add to that is that lack of judgment or leave your judgment home was a really big one and it was really lovely to see. And you know, and even, you know, we when we went into it, we had concerns about being judged for not carrying our main packs every day. And we, you know, you experience a little bit of it out there, but it just and, and even, you know, doing sections various versus doing the whole thing. And, you know, how people are doing it, they're doing their Camino the way it works for them. And I think it's really important to maintain that. Leave your judgment at home. You're doing your Camino. Mm -hmm. Somebody else is doing their Camino. And it's however they're doing it is right for them. And it, and it only actually matters to them. So my Camino really only matters to me. And I, you know, did it the way I wanted and, and did it how I, you know, needed to for me. And I think if we all go into that, you know, with that thinking. And, and we did actually even have some discussions with others where they had a bit of that epiphany as well. Mm. And we actually, I think we said, or we might've talked about it before, um, if only everybody could do a Camino, the world would probably be a much nicer <laughs> and, and more friendly place as yeah. a result for, I think, the majority of people. Yeah. 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 It changes us for the better. We come out nicer, kinder, more open, more tolerant, more accepting. And certainly with a grander worldview after sharing meals and drinks and conversations with people from around the world. And shout out to our Camino family as well. Like I know everybody says they've got the best, but you know, we, and we made so many Camino families because of the fact we had those rest days and, and it was so heartbreaking saying goodbye to people. Um, sure. But it also forced us to make um, new friends and, and um, it, it was, meeting people from all over the world and, and those conversations about that you, you go so deep so quickly along the trail talking to people, you know, it's it's such a special experience that mm. I certainly haven't experienced anywhere else. And, um, yeah, we've definitely made some lifelong friends that, um, you know, we're catching up with a couple this week in Melbourne. So, you know, it's it's really, really special that you meet these people from all over the world and, and everybody with such a different background and different experience and different reasons to be there. Um, but it is truly such a special part of the Camino is that that Camino family that you make. Mm. It is. And the hellos and goodbyes are so difficult. So I suppose that's probably another tip is just be okay with hellos and goodbyes. And actually one of our Camino family, he did actually say it, shout out to, to Patrick, um, is that the trail is full of hellos and goodbyes and you kind of have to be ready for it and be okay with it. Yeah. 
And it is just, yeah, that was a hard part for me, I think. And even there's a few people that, um, you know, Fiona and I had met and we had spent a lot of time tic-tacking through and then we realized we didn't actually have contact information. So Salvadore, if you're out there, we hope you made it. Oh, so good to hear from both of you and to hear how this went and see you on this side of it. Thank you, Nancy. It's been incredible. And just, yeah, getting to speak to you in the beginning and, and now is, um, yeah, it's really special. So thank you so much for having us as well. Uh, it, it's been my pleasure. And I think I mentioned this to you. This will be the season finale for season three. So I just want to say thank you for putting the bookend, putting, putting the end of the season uh, in place with me. Thanks for that. Thanks for inviting yeah. us back. It's um, been yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Just a pleasure. All right, guys, take good care and we will, I'll look forward to hearing more of your next adventure. Perfect. Thanks, Nancy. All right. 